Hello podcast listeners, this is your host Joshua B. Kirkman, introducing this episode featuring Ben Player, but the man really needs no introduction, does he? You all know him well, you've all looked up to him, admired him, tried to emulate him even. No introductions needed, but before we get on with the podcast, there is something I do need to let you know about, and that is for this special episode, we have a code, a discount code, MOVEMENTX10. Which, if you use that on the Movement Mag website, you are going to get yourself a 10% discount on the latest magazine. So, Movement times 10. It's like an X, 10. I'll put it in the um, in the notes for the show. But if you go and use that code, Movement X, 10, you're going to get yourself a 10% discount. Righto, enough about me, more about Ben. Need more schooling. So this is round two of starting the podcast because, first of all, Ben Player, who's sitting next to me, asked me what happens if someone calls when I'm recording on my iPhone, and I said, ah, too easy, I'll just flick it to do not disturb. When I did that, it stopped recording, didn't it? And now we started the podcast for a few seconds, and I just noticed that nothing was being recorded at all. So welcome to the podcast, Ben Player. Thanks very much for having me, Josh. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thank you for meeting me. So this is, uh, yeah, Avalon, South yeah. Avalon, we're sitting at right now, having a coffee as you do when you're in Avalon. Yep. Uh, this is the beach that I grew up at. Um, hmm. Actually, we're looking down the little, fun little right and left uh, peak, just down the south end here, just off the swimming pool. And that's, um, yeah. I guess, where I uh, learned how to do my first innies. Uh, innies. Mad reverses <laughs> and uh, good El Rollos. Did you just start from Eddie's by the side? Did you do a split? No, first? actually, my first air was ever was an in, invert and it was a little shore break just right out in there front of There you go. Him. First brother, air was an invert. I had, I had a fight with my brother because he didn't believe that I did one because he wasn't there. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I swear I did an invert. It well, probably wasn't an invert, but it was an air. Yeah, but if you threw the chair. Yeah, probably. And, uh, and yeah, we had a fight about it. How funny is that? <laughs> Bit of rivalry. Um, of, of course, the rivalry is something that uh, started at a young age. It's, it, yeah, it certainly is. Um, I guess when you got a brother that's only like he just a over a year older than you. Uh-huh. You're kind of living in his shadow a little bit and um, I guess want to try and um, pit yourself against him. Yeah. He's always better than me at everything. Soccer was like really good at soccer. Oh, yeah? He was really good at bodyboarding. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's still good, probably but... really better than me today. Um, and why? He's got twins. He's far ahead of further ahead of me in life. Oh, like, okay, but that just means he knows how to have sex and, like, impregnate in the process. I I don't know how to do that. (laughs) I reckon you you must have have some idea. It's beyond me. Don't you just uh, lie horizontally and do a little dance? Well, we got weird real quick. Um, But when did you... um, I've I've spoken about this often, like, because I have an older brother who I used to bodyboard with, and obviously all that rivalry was there too, but, you know just to piss off our brothers real quick like how, how old were you when you were better than him um to be honest with you i wouldn't say i, I would say i only um got better than toby when i was probably about 33 34. get out swear to god yeah yeah no i, I live and how stand you, by that how do you how do you how do you uh qualify that like how do does getting that? better mean um, that? i remember like just because better like in terms of performance yeah yeah i'd say i'd say it probably took me that long to get better than him and the reason why i say that is because um i can remember like definite points in my career where i'd be surfing with him and just school me you know i remember the once very specific session it was in 
uh, like 2001, um, the Skins event at Chopu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a surf that morning um, and it was giant. Yeah. And um, he was uh, number two priority, I was number one. And this wave came through and he's like, says to me, oh, are you going? I was like, no. Oh, you were in the same heat, weren't <laughs> no, you? No, 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 we were just free surfing. Oh, okay, so you were And I actually said, no, he turned around and just got like the biggest pit and got spat out. And um, like that whole surf, that whole trip, yeah. he surfed better than me. And that was 2001. So, yeah. you know, I was late 20s still. And I reckon it was not for a couple more years beyond that that I probably um, progressed to a high performance level in him. And that was only because he had started taking on bodyboard king and probably surfing less and I was probably putting in more time. Well, it's very humble of you to say such a thing and, and your analysis is yours to have on this one. I'm, I don't know, I guess the listener can make their own judgments, but uh, definitely I'm not taking anything away from Toby, by the way. I think he fucking charges and he's a, he's a ripper in his very own right. So um, so that's cool. I mean, how do you, do you and him get to surf together these days? Do you find like now, like, because you don't live too far away from mm. each other now, you're no, not on the rare. tour as much, but is it rare? Yeah, it's really rare, yeah. What's that all about? Well, he's busy doing bodyboarding. Um, I'm busy running movement and distributing N&D. Yeah. And so it's hard for us both to have free time at the same time. On top of yeah. that, he's got, you know, family commitments and, yeah. and I've got a puppy, so. <laughs> <laughs> and they're basically the same thing. Yeah, pretty much the that's same thing. So yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty hard to find spare time that kind of matches up at the same time. Which that's sucks, cool. Yeah. That's life, isn't it? It's life, but I mean, your time together is quality time when it happens. Totally. Yeah. The yep. rivalry's gone. Totally. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. Any moments, like anything that can pop up where you'll want to have it, like a go. No way. Ping pong championship. You nah, know, nah, nah. Sprint on the beach. Never. Nah, nah. Nothing. Drop that a long that's time nice. ago. Yeah. That's nice. No. Must make for a much. We both got a lot of civil. respect and a lot of love for each other, which is a good thing. Pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, how we kind of touched on you starting out here, and then we quickly went to brother brotherly rivalries. But um, I mean, this beach, Avalon, that we're looking at. I mean, we're also looking into the distance, and there's a little patch of reef up there, which I'm sure. Am I blowing away the spot now by saying this? No, oh, far no, out. Everybody knows it, right? Spot. Yeah. But like, how important was that in your um, development as a bodyboarder? Because it's a nice little patch of reef, like. Not the craziest wave ever, but I'm sure, did it play a role in your comfort in the reef breaks or anything Yeah, like that? for sure, for yeah. sure. Like um, everyone, you know, pretty much most Australians start out on a beach break and yeah. they progress to reef breaks later on in their, in their life and, yeah. and ability. Um, for me, I was probably about 14 years old when I decided to take on a little Avalon. 14. And I was crapping myself. Yeah. Um, and it was probably like one, one foot, you know, yeah. not less. But um, yeah, it's... You know, it's not a great wave, but I was really lucky to be able to surf that on a regular basis and get comfortable with, you know, having the, the black underneath you yeah. and, and just getting used to the different ways that it breaks and, and seeing the reef gurgle out and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a pretty soft wave, you know, compared to most waves that bodywaters are surfing these days. So yeah. it didn't really have, you know, that, that kind of um, level that kind of kept me entertained for, yeah. to surf reef breaks here. So. Around the age of you know 16, 17, I started exploring more of the coast and trying to find other reef breaks and stuff like that. But you surf. you would have been pipelining by that time, weren't you? Like yeah, your first yeah. pipe seasons yeah. would have been. How old were sure. you when you first got over there? Yeah, sixteen. I was. Yeah, that's what I thought. My first year. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, what was the crew like when you grew up around here? Like in terms of your um, inspirations as a young bodyboarder, who who was it surfing around here locally or bodyboarding here locally that yeah, really was, kind of inspired you? I was really lucky as a kid. Um, yeah. 
that there was, you know, guys like Tolly Beaver, Crispin Hughes, yeah. uh, Jimmy Doug Leash. Uh, like Jimmy Doug Leash? I don't even know who that is. Yeah, Jimmy oh, he's Doug just another older guy. That's legendary. Um, another guy called Drew. Oh, yeah? Drew Brown. He rides a surfboard now, but he, Drew he's Brown. the bodyboard. Okay. They were guys over a couple of years above me, but Tolly was probably the real standout rider, as was Crispin Hughes. And um, yeah. I guess they kind of sent their kind of, you know, benchmark uh, to kind of get to. Yeah. And Tully at the time had had a lot of um, success. He was in bodyboard movies and, and stuff like that. And I guess, um, you know, he, he pretty much set the foundations of what good bodyboarding was in our local he, area. Yeah, I think, uh, well, Australia-wide too with the style. I think yeah. it was a real yeah, kind totally. of defining style. Yeah, yeah. So I was really lucky to, to be able to see him surfing you know, daily and yeah. and be inspired by him and um, and then Matt Riley was just around the corner as was yeah. uh, Slug Hybner. So Slug. Um, yeah, so I was pretty pretty lucky, you know, to have such um, high level of uh, riders just in my local kind of town. Um, but yeah, Tully like still I still I see him surf these days and I'm just like, fuck, that was incredible, you know. Is he on a board or is he on a bodyboard? Yeah, he's still on he a bodyboard. Same as Matt, Matt That's Riley. Amazing. Like they still have so much talent, those guys. Yeah. Um, and I love watching them surf. Is Tully's style still exact? Like is it? Exactly. Yeah. That's still amazing. As good as ever. Yeah. Why don't we see this? Like I want to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. I, I wish I could see it more. Camera on that. He's yeah. just had a new baby, so he's yeah. pretty busy. Um, Sick. Looking after, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but his baby. Yeah, it's uh, a child. Yeah, child. And uh, yeah, so I didn't really get a chance to see him that much, but um, yeah, he's still as passionate as ever. Like we always talk about bodyboarding and stuff like that. Sick, which is cool. Big shout out to the um, the elders. Yeah, yeah, the elders, the guys who laid the foundations. Definitely. Um, but another thing too that was cool about this area was the fact that there also like especially through my late teens, there wasn't really um, like heaps of bodyboarders. Actually, more my late twenties, I should say. Yeah. Like it seemed like bodyboarding went through this massive hype phase in the 80s and um, yeah. and it's very popular and heaps of guys were bodyboarding but then in my late 20s, like let's say late 90s it was, yeah. um, a lot of guys kind of stopped surfing in the area and yeah. I was really lucky um, to, to kind of be able to surf around this area at that time Yeah. because there was no pressure, especially like um, you know the the early 2000s around here. Yeah. Because it's mainly the stand-up surfers, so there's no pressure for me to perform in front of anyone. I can That's experiment. That's interesting. I yeah. can fail, and no one's there to judge me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know a lot of people don't think about how lucky it is to actually have that potential to be able to make mistakes and not yeah. feel like there's any consequence to that. Yeah. And I was lucky to have that. And um, that's probably the period in my career where I felt like I progressed the most. And mm -hmm. I was, because I was able to just surf, put my head down, just surf every day and just focus on, um, on bodyboarding and not feel like I was getting judged for it. That's interesting. Yeah. Because at the same time, I mean, I, I remember going to my first Hawaii trips and trying, like, and, and the thing that I liked about that was that you could see the benchmark like mm. you could kind of see where guys are at and how are you performing in relation to them and you know but and i always used to think that was how i would get better mm -hmm. by being around other people but you're kind of saying in fact for you it was the it was the opposite in a sense that you had the freedom and the isolation to just try things and fail without any mm. um, pressure and you mm -hmm. kind of excelled more in that space yeah i felt, I felt like yeah that's interesting yeah i felt like that but um I, you know, I'd still, I was competing at the time on the sure. World Tour and um, I was able to check in like every month or two yeah, against yeah, the guys yeah. doing that, but then yeah. I was able to take, you know, escape it, take away Have from it, and then, yeah, yeah, really put my head down and focus on the next kind of goal. That's cool. Yeah, so I was really lucky to get that around this area and still to this day, it kind of feels like that, you know, it's 
it's more of a surfing dominated kind of area. It and is not that many bodyboarders. And you know what? I, I actually don't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> As a guy now, like, I mean, to, to kind of pick up on that little um, point there about there not being so many bodyboarders, I'm actually going to go to Instagram right now because I ask people to send in questions. And this is the first time uh, I'm doing this with the podcast is to go and find some of these questions from people because I think there was one about the growth of bodyboarding and I just want to grab it now um where was it where was it uh no that's not it 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 was a message let me go bear with me listener bear with me I'm getting there I'm still new at this stuff so don't tune out just yet don't you know just yet um i think it was something along the lines of um the growth of the sport and like in terms of what where are the next generation of bodyboarders coming from or something like that Mm. like are you concerned about you know you're saying it's a good thing around here it's your local break you don't mind that there's not many bodyboarders but as a as a member of the industry now in your role like what is your role exactly by the way like what is your well, industry role you got a couple of questions i know i'm going to start Josh. with that one uh, okay. what is your role in the industry today hey, my role in the industry today is yeah. um i am the owner of movement magazine um i'm also the distributor of nmd and versus bodyboards in australia yeah uh, uh what else uh bodyboard enthusiast um yeah that's pretty much my roles i guess Okay, and so what, what do you see then as your, um, in fulfilling those roles, media, also someone who's a practitioner still, and also a, a person in the sales and marketing space for actual product, hardware, um, how do you see the future of bodyboarding in Australia or the present to the future? Like what, what, do, you, what do you think's going it, on here? It's hard to say, like hard to answer that accurately or you know with any kind of form of data or um, without it being an opinion based uh, an opinion based answer because I haven't been doing it for long enough uh-huh. I've only been distributing boards now for uh, going on to our fourth year coming up in August so okay um, you know like I can't really compare it to anything else but for us like our business is going well um, you know we we put 110 percent into it and we're happy with the results that we're getting and we're going to continue doing it um, but I don't know, you know, how, how it compares to someone else who's yeah, okay. perhaps seen it at a different stage. So I can't really comment on that. But for me, like, I think um, bodyboarding will always have a place. You know, yeah. just getting back to that question of yours about, you know, is it growing or anything, whatever like that. I think it's always going to have a place. And the reason why it's always going to have a place is because you're going to have people like me who, you know, love it, who yeah. don't care about all that other stuff. It's just about the enjoyment that you get out of it. Yeah. And, and also there's other things about bodyboarding that so many people kind of dismiss or don't really recognize. And that's like the fact that you're escaping from everything, like all the stresses of life and you're getting out there and just catching a couple of waves. And for a little while, like you're just having fun. Yeah. And, and that's such an important thing with, you know, with especially with getting older and getting more responsibilities and getting more stress and stuff yeah. like that is just getting away from it all. And then on top of that, the, the exercise and the health uh, benefits of it for me, like, it's my only form of exercise. Yeah. You know, he's going out there and surfing and um, I'm still like, I'm 
got probably put on a little bit of weight, but I'm, I'm managing to still stay pretty fit. I don't as a think players put on weight. I'm not buying that yeah, for a could, second. You, you guys are like... I did, actually. Really? I put on a little bit of weight yeah, when I first was um, putting all my time into the business. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, the other um, positive side of it is the fact that you're socialising with with other people and especially um, other kind of like-minded men. Mm. And this is a fact that a lot of people kind of don't really talk about is like the f- you're actually out there, you're waiting between the sets and you get a chance to talk to another guy like, Honey, um, hey Frank, tell us about, you know, how's everything going? How's the missus? Oh, my missus, she's been a bitch or you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a real opportunity to, yeah. to kind of open up and talk to other guys. And yeah. I think um, being a male, um, you know, I just turned 40, you really get a chance to be able to do that. Yeah. Most social occasions that you have are usually with your missus and, yeah. and you're out there at the barbecue and you don't really get the opportunity to be able to- <laughs> To be honest about how you really guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a really <laughs> great thing that, you know, surfing offers not just males, but obviously females. Like I'm sure when females surf with other females, they get the same kind of um, reaction and the same kind of uh, fulfillment out of that. Yeah. You know, and it's a really special thing that happens. You know, it's not, Surfing isn't just about catching waves. Nah. It's such a small part of surfing. So small. Yeah. I think I saw an analysis done of it once, like I think Terry McKenna, when he was doing his coaching once, he had this chart which kind of mapped out a 20 minute heat, at Mm. least in a heat format. And something like, you know, 10 minutes was sitting and waiting. Like seven minutes was paddling. Yeah. And then three minutes was actually catching waves in a 20 minute heat which was probably accurate if you really think about pretty long how waves. long a wave is that's pretty long they're waves, long waves right what, you'd have to get waves, yeah Jesus. you'd have to get like a few waves to yeah. get to that that's 10 waves maybe or something <laughs> so no it is interesting like and, and i think um it's really interesting to say that because i've just um obviously i'm sitting here in australia but i live in sweden i've been up in foster the last week and um i managed to get my old man back out on the bodyboard mm, i saw that and and you know like he lives on the beach like there's so many australians they live pretty much they could walk within 15 minutes to a beach, most people, at least in my front kind of circles, and yet they don't go and use it. Yeah. And they get, they lose connection to it. For sure. And he got out there and, you know, like he was catching a few waves and he's, you know, like it's good for the fitness. Mm-hmm. I was saying to him, you know, it's good for you to get outside and get some, get, get your lungs pumped up and get your legs kicking. And, for sure. And he was, Great. and he was loving it. And you know what? He, it, the crowning moment, like he, he did his first rollo. Oh, no way. Stuck a roll. Ever. Stoked. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. He's really stoked. You'd probably go again. Yeah, you bloody better, but I'm, I'm going back to Sweden now, so I don't know who's going to drag <laughs> him out there. But, but no, I think it's cool. And like that, you know, and me and him would chat out there as well and, you know, yeah. talk about a bunch of things. But I mean, is that something that is, um, you seem to kind of linger on that for a second, maybe longer than a second, but like, is it that ability for, like, blokes are notorious for not talking to each other? Yeah, about yeah, stuff. yeah. Yep. So do you really, um, see a really strong benefit there or is this something that's been on your no, mind no, lately? No, no, it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, yeah. Is like, uh, you know, trying to trying to break down like why does surfing feel so good? Yeah. You know, like it's it's such a weird thing. You're catching these lumps of water and really it shouldn't feel that good, but it feels <laughs> really good. Um, it might have something to do with the energy in the wave too that's actually going through your body. I, yeah. don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, I've been thinking about everything about it and what attracts me to it and why I mm. keep going back for more and more and more. Mm. Um, yeah, so maybe that's a big part of it. Um, I, do, I do think that, you know, males in Australia are pretty bad with talking about their emotions, so it's a pretty yeah. good opportunity to get out there and, and talk about their emotions or their hardships or whatever like that. Yeah. Um, and escape everything. 
Um, but I don't know. It's perhaps maybe like a movement that should happen more and more and, um, you know, for people to actually recognise the benefits of surfing that isn't just about catching a wave, you know? Yeah. It's, there's a lot more to it. But, and it um, yeah, it's nice though because I often find myself, maybe it's with age as well, but I think it's also a personality trait because some, you know, there's some people who just want to, and I'm guilty of it at times, but definitely not all the time, of just like really hungry to just get like greedy mm. just being greedy yeah and there's a lot of guys like that as well yeah. who are kind of just like they're kind of like and surfers don't get me wrong in the way of pumping well. I'm going to be an absolute freak <laughs> <laughs> you know like that is like my goal oh, to That's, get out there is to I'm get waves and I get so excited yeah. you know um, yeah. I, get, I, get, I actually have a problem where I think I get too excited yeah um, I've seen it. And I scream my head problem. off. And, it's, it's good. It's and good piss people off and I'm so loud, you know, but I can't help it. I'm just so amped oh, to be out it. there. I love it. Yeah. But like, but then you're saying, look, on these more casual moments. Yeah, like today, that, for example, yeah, exactly. waves like today where it's pretty average and, you know, just there's a couple of guys out there. out there and they're just having a good time. Yeah. yeah. It's such a cool thing. So do you think, um, you know, in terms of the, the sport then, like is, are people missing the point in many ways? Like have we lost... Oh, I think bodyboarding has a these... massive identity and cultural issue. Like, oh, the... let's, let's go. All right, <laughs> let's go. What do we got? What's the problem? Oh, I just don't know why all bodyboarders feel like it's all always got to be about performance and about progression and, and yeah. ripping and being a, 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 a mad ripper. Mad rippers. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be like that, you know? Like, bodyboarding is a culture. It's been around for a long, long time. Yeah. It was, it's been around much before Tom Morrow made his first boogie board. Yeah. You know, it's, it was in the form of a, 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 a pipo it was, or whatever it was, a couple of reeds. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the, the kind of art form of, of lying down and riding a wave has been around for a long, long time. And there is a lot of culture and a lot of depth to this board. Yeah. People fail to kind of recognize that. And they're always <clears throat> so concerned about being the best uh, kind of performers they can. And I think that comes from us being somewhat, um, you know, minority and feeling like we're up against you know, stand-up surfing where, uh, where you know, they they got so much money and stuff behind them. So we're thinking, oh, we've got to keep up with that and we have to be a professional and, and do all this stuff. And you know what, like, our culture and, and, and who we are isn't made by that. It's actually made by us being us and just having fun doing what we're doing. And that, that'll give us a sense of who we are. And then, you know, before we know it, it people get attracted to that. Mm. You know, it doesn't always have to be about performance. And um, it's something, I guess, I'm have kind of learnt about the sport since kind of retiring I guess yeah. and starting my own business is like trying to think about um, for me like what does attract me to it and, and why I keep going back I don't, I don't get the time to spend bodyboarding like I used to I just can't because I've just got so much other stuff on Yeah. so my progression is slowing down and um, I'm not able to progress at the same rate but still I still love it yeah. I still want to do it all the time and why is that and I think that yeah it's, it's, it's a lot more to it and bodyboarders we need to embrace the fact that we're not um, going to be, you know, WSL, and we're not going to be superstars sponsored by Rockstar Energy or Red Bull or whatever it is. But it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't change the fact that I'm still having fun and getting out there and, mm. and loving it, and mm. all these other benefits that come along with that. Um, mm. I think that I, I really hope that everyone sees those positives and and sees it for that, and doesn't necessarily. You know, see it as being a negative thing that we're not like that. It's actually quite a positive thing. The fact that 
I know you, you're living in freaking Scandinavia mm. and we're able to catch up at South Avalon and have a talk about body. Yeah, 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 sick, you know? sick. Any bodyboarder that I ever see, I embrace them like a family member. Mm. It's still small enough that we're all so close and so, um, I guess, in sync with each other that everyone's pretty much your best mate. Mm. Do we ever really want to lose that? I don't know if we do. It's a beautiful thing that we've got. Yeah, and I think surfing definitely doesn't have it. Um, huh. They they definitely don't have it like we've got it. And and you know for me it's a because you know my my love affair and hate for bodyboarding uh, you know it spanned a, a decade or so and a lot of it was hate for a long time. Um, but for me the the really in- interesting thing about you know embracing that side of me and who I am is that a whole community reopened. Yeah. That that like. It's just an interesting fact of it all is that, you know, like guys, you, you, you bump into guys. I remember I bumped into you maybe, uh, when was it? Like at the Sydney Festival, I think we caught up with each other for a couple of beers at the yeah. Sydney Festival once. And that was the first time we'd seen each other in years. It was like, it was just like, yeah, we hadn't yeah, yeah, seen yeah. each other for many years. We're like, hey dude, what's going on? It was like, boom, just like, you can have that community and it, and it reignites really quickly. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it lasts forever. Like it really does. Um, but where does this, like... Because I see it a lot, and I think I've seen it a fair bit lately um, in social media, and it, it actually has played into the gender politics as well a bit, I think, um, <laughs> in that people... So let's go there, because I think that's part of this identity crisis as well, is that there's people who kind of think that that bodyboarding needs to be based on performance to measure the success or worthiness of whoever's involved. I think we've seen a bit of that with... Um, some arguments I've seen about like, um, oh, the women should get paid as much as the men when the women are doing really cool shit like the men. But it's like, well, hang on, is that even a valid argument? Like in mm. terms of should you get paid more money because you are throwing yourself over a ledge that you're probably gonna die on or not? Like yeah, what's yeah. the point? So is this performance thing and this kind of measuring success or value based on you know big airs or big waves, is, is that kind of missing the point? No, I don't, I, I, I agree with what you're trying to say here, but yeah. I don't think that um, what you said before about the value being about money, I think this is where everyone's going wrong is everyone's um, placing the value of us riding waves and bodyboarding on the monetary gain that we're getting. Yeah. But it's just it's ridiculous. It's far more than that. It's far greater than that. And yeah. the rewards are like hugely vast, more vast than that. And so why do we even need to go there? You know, like, because I'm getting paid, I go out for a surf, let's say I get 10 bucks to catch like per (laughs) wave. I'm not gonna enjoy catching those waves anymore because I'm getting 10 bucks per wave. Yeah, sure. You know, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna enjoy riding it regardless of getting paid or not. Yeah. The thing that frustrates me is the fact that people expect to get paid Mm. for doing like what they love and what they wanna do. Why, Why should you ever expect to get paid? Like. Why, when did bodyboarding ever say to you, or say to any professional or aspiring professional, because you're not professional unless you get paid. Yeah. When did it ever say to any aspiring professional, like, oh, like I owe you uh, this amount of money because you're putting in that amount of uh, time. Yeah. It's never done that. Nah. So why, does it, why is it bodyboarding's fault or why is it anyone else's fault that it's not giving you uh, a payment? Yeah. Like, like, we need to see the other positives of it. And, and as far for, as, as for complaining um, in public, public spaces or public forums like social media, fucking hell. Like it, it, complaining is one of my biggest gripes with, with, with humans. <laughs> uh, because you know, like 
Yeah. The amount of time that you spend complaining, if you had to just focus that that energy into making some positive change, yeah, you wouldn't have to complain anymore. Yeah. You know, like I, I see, I'm, I'm think I'm catching a drift about you know those negative comments on uh, a, a certain girl's um, Instagram well, Lily, post. Well, Pollard, she put a put a post out there, and it was it was talking about equality and whatnot, and yeah, she yeah. got slaughtered. I totally agree with equality. I think equality should be there. Yeah. And for me, the best bodyboarder in the world right now is Joanna. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. she is the world's best bodyboarder. And yeah. the reason why is because she's out there having fun. Yeah. She's, she's loving life. She's doing great things for the sport. She's doing great things for the ocean. So to qualify, like in terms of, okay, so you're saying because she's having such a positive impact for the sport, if you yeah. want to measure it somehow, yeah. she's the top of the sport she's right now in your opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, that's interesting. That's and she's, cool. she's not out there complaining. She's out there trying to make some positive change. Yeah, she she's an IB, I, APB board member. She's yeah. probably spending hours every week trying to make that happen. Yeah. She's doing all these positive things. Yeah. She's not complaining. Nah. And um, I, I think that's a really great thing. Like Girls like Joanna, guys like yourself who are on the APB board, mm. and a whole bunch of other people that are trying their hardest to make some positive change in the sport. It's a great thing. Mm. It's not hard to do, just a couple of hours every week. Yeah, yeah. If everyone did that, I'm sure we'd be pretty far uh, far ahead. Yeah. But what does success look like, though, with this positive work? I mean, and, and just going back into your life and career with bodyboarding, because you haven't been one to sit back and complain. Mm. I think you have actually followed your own advice, in my interpretation, because... I try to, yeah. You know, you, you started a magazine yeah. when it was, was kind of like maybe even... I don't know why it was a good idea at the time, but it would have been hard because yeah, yeah. there was existing magazines and competition and stuff like that. You you did start a you did start the clothing label as yep. well, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. you in the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, you you really put your money where your mouth was. Like, how how did all that happen? Like, what was the context that really pushed you to yeah. make those decisions? Yeah, I, I put it down to one quote yeah. from Tom Moray. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I think it was at the 1998 Moray Banquet, because back in those days, Moray Bodyboards used to sponsor the pipe comp. Yeah. And they used to have this big uh, banquet afterwards at Turtle Bay Hilton, and yeah, the food nice. was incredible. They used to have this, uh, I'm a vegetarian now, but back then I used to eat meat. Oh, yeah. And they used to have this um, beef teriyaki oh. rib. Yeah. Oh my God, it was so tasty. <laughs> anyway, so they used to have these big banquets, and um, it was my first ever uh, pipe competition. Okay, and, uh, 98. Moray, I think it was 98, yeah. Yeah, right. Tom Moray got up there and he made a speech uh, at the end of it and um, he said, uh, in order for this sport to grow, we all have to be entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. We have to own our sport. That's the worst American accent. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. But, um, you know, I was like, what the fuck is an entrepreneur? <laughs> I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about. But You're then, right. you know, later I was like putting some thought into it and I was like, he's absolutely right because... Um, if we are to ever, you know, own our sport and to um, steer it in the direction that we want to take it, we have to be in these positions where, you yeah. know, we own all the companies that are selling back to it. Yeah. And then Mike Stewart came out uh, with a famous uh, quote a couple of years after that, and he's like, um, uh, support those that support bodyboarding. Yeah. And then off the back end of that, you know, No Friends Clothing started up, Rejected Clothing started yeah, up, yeah, and all yeah. these other... Um, bodyboard there, there specific was a moment brands. There. there was a moment, wasn't totally. there? Yeah, the, the, the switch got flicked and, and everyone started realising like, hey, we do need to take control of our industry and stuff like that. Yeah. And just to go back to that comment that you made before about yeah. you know, people um, wondering about the growth of the sport, I always come back to this and think, 
You know what? It's a really positive thing that we've got right now. We're actually all in control of our sport. Yeah? More or less, huh? More or less. More there's, or less. No, there's no real brands that are dominating in the sport mm. that are owned by external investors. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much every single brand that um, mm. is selling to the market mm. is, is, is a bodyboarder and they're trying to reinvest back into the market. So right now, really, the time is the best time to be able to capitalize on that and to make some really positive changes because we're all, you know, the heads of our kind of industries and, yeah. and in a position that we can make those positive changes. Interesting. Now it is so Tom, so that. here we go, like what, 20 years later? Yeah, and, and Tom's, takes time. And Tom's thing has kind of come to, come to realization. Yeah, it takes time and I think, um, but I mean, in your personal growth though, into that entrepreneurial role, I mean, I, I may have my history wrong, but did it come off the back of you not being with Quicksilver anymore? Was that part, because you were with a big brand for many years in your yeah, career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So was that, did that play a part in the catalyst of you having to go like, shit, I'm gonna have to do something or? Was it you who, who were like, I'm going to go out and do something? No, for me, what it was, there was a couple of factors why yeah. I wanted to start the Grand Flavor Clothing Company. With, and there was um, the fact that, um, that I was like feeling quite creative at that point in time in my uh -huh. life. And I really wanted a creative outlet. Yep. And, um, you know, designing t-shirts and stuff like that was a <clears throat> cool way to do it. Yep. Um, also, the fact that, yeah, there was a couple of uh, clothing brands in the market. My brother... Yep own rejected clothing and yeah, that he was, was doing really that, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the fact that I wasn't, didn't have any sponsor in the clothing segment, but I was financially stable because of my board sponsor yeah, at the time. Yeah. So, you know, I just thought, why not? Just have yeah. a crack at it. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it was fun. It was really fun for a couple of years and, uh, and yeah, it was, it was a good creative outlet. Yeah. For sure. But have we gotten there? Like, I mean, I know that all that happened in what, say, the early 2000s to mid noughties, you could say, like... Yeah, yeah, it happened when I was, uh, I think it was 25 or around, well, I think it was about December 8th or something like that. <laughs> December, yeah, don't... Around be, that time. But be specific for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, um, and uh, I got an email from Mez. Oh, yeah? And it wrote, uh, he wrote to me and said, fuck, man, I'm so sorry, but it turns out that Maury Bodyboards has gone bankrupt. And uh, and your contracts uh, terminated as a result. I'm like, man, that sucks. But you know what? That's okay because I'm still sponsored by Quicksilver. I get an email from my team manager at Quicksilver that afternoon saying, "No, um, sorry, mate, we're not going to renew your contract." And I was like, "Are you kidding? Like, Whoa. I've got no sponsorship whatsoever." In one day. One day. Yeah, one one day. One That's day. heavy. Yeah, it was pretty heavy. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was, I was pretty upset. How did that? Like, I mean, what happened? Can you try to? Tell us about how that felt at that moment. That must have been fucked Fucking up. stressful. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, how bad are we talking here? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I've been probably, you know, and I was on a pretty comfortable uh, wicket with, um, with, with both those sponsors for quite some time. And, yeah, you know, that's all I knew. I, I, I'd never been educated or anything like that. And uh, there I was and not making any money. And How old were you then? 25, uh, 25 you think? I think, yeah, yeah. I was 25. And, um, I was like for, for four months. I was like, "What the?" Three um, months. I think so, it was. Okay, so this is how long we're talking. Three months. Of yeah, just I was like, thinking, "What, what am I going to do?" Hell? I started searching for other sponsorship and yeah. stuff like that, and doing all that, and that wasn't getting anywhere. And then I thought, you know what, stuff all this. I'm just going to go to Hawaii and see how much I enjoy it. If I enjoy it, then um, I'll continue going on and see how long I can fund this for. Wow. And hopefully something happens. I went to Hawaii and just absolutely loved it. Like yeah. I was having so much fun and felt like my surfing had actually progressed a lot as mm. a result. 
And then, um, and then shortly after that, uh, I think it was about six months later, Mez told me, oh yeah, like I've managed to organize a sponsorship for you. I'm gonna start up this new, um, new board brand called NMD. And I was like, oh yeah, sounds pretty cool. What's NMD stand for? Nick Mez Designs. I was like, oh yeah, rad, sounds good. And he's like sends through some, some artwork and, um, and this, it showed me like, well, this is the design he's gonna have. I had a, uh, I had a more a bodyboard at the time, so I took all the artwork off it and um, he made like a stencil and, and drew the, the, the artwork on. But I didn't realize it was actually the wrong way around. <laughs> 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 it was upside down, completely upside down. <laughs> so so um, the first ever NMD board ridden by yeah, Ben Bayer was, was upside down. Yeah, exactly. Ah, the vintage guys are going to be hunting for yeah, that one. Online. Yeah, yeah, it's a white board. A it's white a, board. That's our board. There you go. And uh, and yeah, so that's how that kind of kicked off. But then as a result of that, I guess I was um, pretty nervous about, I guess, being vulnerable and exposing yeah. myself and not having a backup plan yeah. because things just got ripped out from underneath me in one day. Fully. And so that's why um, a mate of mine, Murray Bell, uh, who's an um, ex-professional bodyboard, he was sponsored totally. by Quicksilver as well. Yeah. And he was a really good graphic designer and we'd always wanted to do something and he kind of came to me and said, oh, I want to do something with you. I was like, oh, I don't know what to do, but let's do something. Yeah, okay, let's do something. <laughs> we're like, okay, well, let's do a magazine. And I think it was his idea, actually. And um, we're like, okay, let's do a magazine. I didn't know anything about it. And, yeah. um, and we started uh, publishing Movement Mag. Um, and, uh, and now, what, what's like 12 years later, we're still, we're still doing it. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. And um, that, again, is like a really nice, fun, creative outlet. Yeah, totally. But as far as a financial backup, it never happened. I've never made a cent out of it. Yeah. I never paid myself. But it's a still really fun thing. And I'm yeah. not going to stop doing it anytime soon. Um, on that question, like, so you're, I just want to pick up on something for the listener and for myself, I guess, to understand better. Um, you said that, you know, there was a three-month soul-searching period as a 25-year-old mm. who, I mean, let's, let's, let's call it maybe I'll make the assumption that, you know, you were, you were probably earning some pretty good money every month to bodyboard. Yep. You were a pro. Yep, yep. Um, everything was kind of going in the right direction. Yeah. You you were you hadn't won a world title by then, no. No. But you were you were on the trajectory, you know, like yeah, you were yeah, competitive, yeah. you were you were you know, you were going to I be one like of those guys. Yeah. And then you said that you went to Hawaii to see if you liked it still. Yeah. But then what if you didn't? Uh, I was thinking about studying, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about studying. I was thinking about um, potentially studying architecture, although my dad tried to talk me out of that. Yeah, I always really liked architecture. Okay, so that was the plan. If Hawaii sucked, you were going to I was going to do something. I might go, yeah, study architecture, yeah. But was bodyboarding, like bodyboarding as a, as a profession was gone? Well, no one wanted to sponsor me and yeah. it was only going to be a matter of time until I, um, I ran out of money. Yeah, so, so that was, yeah, the kind of, um, I guess, parameters I had to put on myself. And yeah, Hawaii loved it, like I said. And um, I remember getting some compliments that year from like guys saying, oh, you're definitely really good this year. I think. Maybe it's Chris White actually said like, oh man, I think you're one of the standouts this year. And I was like, fuck yeah, that's, you know, I felt great. That's all you want to hear. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, some uh, real positive kind of enforcement and yeah. um, kind of added to my confidence, I guess, a little bit. And the funny thing about all this is like the money I was putting aside um, from Quicksilver yeah. is actually what funded movement. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. So it all kind of worked out really nicely where... 
you know, I took this money from the surfing industry and invested back into bodyboarding and it created movement yeah. and that's still going to this day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you were asking me previously about being an entrepreneur and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to touch on. And that's what um, movement, I guess, was, you know, where I was able to kind of like test how to run a business and, and learn like the ins and outs of it all. And, and I guess um, really just like exploring everything about it and, and failing and making mistakes and, and learning what works and what doesn't and all those things. Mm. And that's how I learned that from movement. So yeah. it was really important in my development was to start movement yeah. and to use that as a kind of, go, kind of base, base, base or foundations for other businesses that have started after that. Yeah. And, and also just, it seems like, I don't know what your theory is or what your opinion is on this, but like being good, being entrepreneurial is one thing, but you, you do need to attract the right people around you to make this work, right? Totally. Like you've never done this in isolation. No. Um, and I guess I'm picking up that it seems like Mez has had your back. Always. So yeah, yeah, yeah. like how, like, cause that's a pretty significant maybe thing that people don't realize. Like I didn't know the story about Mez calling you up like, hey buddy, I got you a sponsor, which yeah. is different from saying, hey buddy, I started a company. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So. I'll tell you a funny story yeah, about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, Mez has always had my back and you know, for, so many years of our life, like together, we actually never even had a contract in place and stuff like really? that. So it's been total trust and total loyalty and he's, he's a really, really great mate. Great. He's always going to be a great mate. Um, That's great. You know, he, 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 the reason why I've got a unit in Avalon is because of him. Yeah. You know, the reason why I got a nice car is because of him. Yeah. And so he's got my like complete and utter loyalty. Um, but yeah, the, the, the really cool thing about Mez and that first sponsorship that I got for NMT is he actually managed to go out and persuade the new manufacturers who are yeah. BIG. Okay. They manufacture NMD bodyboards and um, and uh, most bodyboards that are made in a, in the world. They're the biggest uh, bodyboard manufacturer in the world. Yeah. And he, he managed to persuade the owners of that that it's in their best interest that they sponsor me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, you know, far out is... That's sick. <laughs> there was no well, reason for those advice. guys to sponsor me whatsoever. So you're saying that the money from came from, from them? From those guys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so he, he got the manufacturer to pay you, exactly. not the brand. And that's how much of a legend Mez that's is, crazy. is that he went into bat for me, yeah. and he made it work, and, and I wouldn't be here today, and I wouldn't have ever won any world titles or anything like that without him yeah. risking him, himself and, and his employment opportunities yeah, yeah. to be able to kind of make an opportunity for me. It's pretty, pretty amazing. That's and amazing, yeah. So now, like these days, it's actually such a cool thing that I'm distributing his brand in Australia. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's so fitting that, you know, we've got this great story about where we kind of came from. We, you know, started all this stuff together and now we're still working together um, 20 years later. It must be 20 years later, yeah. yeah just under, like 18 just, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's an incredible journey. And, and in terms of your involvement as a rider, I mean, were you during that relation, because it sounds more like a friendship, and a, it actually sounds much more like a friendship mm. than, a, than even a- um, Sponsorship. Sponsorship, but yeah. yeah, definitely I wouldn't use the term sponsor Lifetime sponsor? One. Yeah, like, or just, just yeah. something, a relationship, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, how, how have you worked with NMD over the years? Has that been something that you've put your creative efforts into as well? Or is it, have you been more hands-off and been the writer? and Mez, put your creative Mez, efforts into other things. Mez is like, he's an incredibly creative and talented um, human being. He's like, he's, he's the, the reason why I believe he's the world's best bodyboard shaper is because he's really, really good at design, right? Yeah, okay. 
He's really, really good at industrial design. He's really, really good at manufacturing. Yeah. You know, he's he's the, he's, he's running the manufacturing place up there. Yeah. Um, he knows everything about everything in yeah. bodyboarding, which is the reason why he's the best shaper in the world. Yeah. You know, there's no one else with that's got a grasp of everything like he does. You yeah. know, like he 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 looks at what my needs are as a rider and and tries to come up with ideas on how to make my writing better yeah you know it's not me going to him and saying oh mez um i've got this idea to do this i, I want to do that i'll do this like sometimes sure i've got a couple of ideas but yeah. majority of the bulk of the time all these kind of innovations and stuff like that are coming from him uh-huh but that's interesting it's like i give him feedback he then takes that and then, then he makes something else out of it it's been a really like good relationship because of that you know and for example like let's talk about my board shape we started out in it was like a complete and utter upside down egg when yeah. I first had it, like an old GT kind of shape. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, through the years, I was like thinking about that on the way here, actually. Been refining and refining yeah, yeah, yeah. it, and, and now to the stage where I feel like it's perfect. And interestingly, we, we did this thing um, recently where we, we were doing some research on uh, the Lord's principle of hydrodynamics. And it's this, uh, it's this mathematic equation about um, what makes the perfect perfect um, planing surface uh -huh. for watercraft yeah uh -huh. okay and this guy called something lord he's like some he's a lord engineer um slash mathematician yeah um was actually employed by the u.s uh army or um navy i think it was to do a whole bunch of testing um on 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 um bottom contours yeah and um and realized that there was a there was a perfect proportion for the most hydrodynamic um, um planing hull Okay. So we were looking at all this and, and looking at all the measurements and stuff like that. And it turns out that what we've come to, Mez and I, yeah. over the 20 years of, yeah. of our relationship is pretty much spot on yeah, right. this equation. Uh -huh. And we were both like, oh my God, how crazy is that? That we've come to this end point yeah. and it turns out that it's backed by this, this principle. Yeah, right. And we're both like rattled about that. And that just goes to show that, you know, there is so much um, kind of two-way kind of relationship that happens in in board progression like that. And it must happen all the time in surfboard shaping and, and other industries where, you know, there's this beautiful relationship between a rider and, and the shaper. Yeah. And they together like refine their skill set and, and create something that's completely original as a yeah. result. Has it, um, it sounds like it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun along the way with this kind of progression. I mean, is the stoke there equal, like is the stoke as strong today as it was 20, uh, 18, 20 years ago when you embarked on the journey? It is, but I guess nowadays I realise what my limitations are, like limitations as an athlete, limitations of the conditions, yeah. and all those kind of other variables, whereas when you're younger, you're perhaps maybe more confident and naive, um, yeah. which is sometimes a pretty good thing. Mm. Um, like for today, like the conditions are pretty bad. It's what, two, 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 two foot? And I look at it and think uh, I'd be lucky to do a reverse air out there. I could probably do a couple of backflips. Is it worth my time? Probably not, because um, mm. I'm not going to get that much out of it. You know what I mean? But yeah. if there was four foot today, yeah, man, like yeah. my passion would be equal to um, to that of a 16-year-old frothing grom, 100%. Yeah, and I think that um, how do you? Um, maybe it's a good segue then. Like in, you just you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you're 40 now. Um, you know, like how do you stay in shape to be able, because what I've noticed myself with, I've got, I spend a lot of time out of not, like not bodyboarding, and then I turn up to a comp or whatever, 
um, and I get on the bodyboard and like I'm hurting, like mm. you know. And it's and I've tried myself. My wife's a personal trainer now, and she's been trying to help me just prepare some of these muscles, particularly the shoulders and stuff like that, to deal with impacts and stuff like that. How, what have you? Do you do anything to prepare yourself for the bodyboard, do you, or do you find that you're hurting more uh, if you've spent time out of the water? Um, the best training for surfing is surfing. Yeah. Like I'm a firm believer in that. Um, if there's no waves and I do have a goal like to achieve, like let's say it's to go to Hawaii to compete in a pipe yeah, comp yeah. or whatever it is, um, like I do start training, okay. like doing alternative training yeah. because these kind of conditions just won't offer me the, the level of um, training that I kind of need to get fit. Exactly. So yeah. I do things like swimming. I think okay, swimming is so a great swim. Yeah. Yeah. I do this um, like a squad training um, program up at the local uh, 50 meter chlorine pool. Yeah. And it's good because you know there's a coach there and he's timing you and okay. you, you get better and better and better and you're cool. trying to get fitter and fitter and it's good for you know you're using pretty similar muscles. Yeah. Um, like your lats are really yeah. important for paddling. Yeah. Um, and you also it's good too because you're getting oxy oxygen deprived. Yeah. Which is good for training for surfing. <laughs> On top of that. Um, it's low impact, which is really good for old guys like us. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I do. I do a lot of that. Um, core fitness is also something that yeah. I think is it's paramount actually for every human. Yeah. It's not got nothing to do with bodyboarding. Um, you know, typically all humans are going to rely on your your spine yeah. um, to take the weight. But if you've got a good core, good strong core, you're going to have a healthy yeah. healthy back that doesn't hurt. And yeah. so, like, I'm pretty co always conscious of, like, trying to maintain a pretty strong core. Um, and that's probably one of the most important things, actually, for riding a bodyboard. Because if you don't have that, um, there is, like, a, there is a chance if you do a huge error or something like that, you could actually, like, hurt yourself. Yeah. You could hurt your lower back. Mm. And, um, and if your lower back isn't that strong, mm. um, the front and back of your lower back, like your, your abs and all that stuff, if it isn't that strong, you could also be putting a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah. A good bodyboarder typically won't actually put that much weight on their shoulders or their elbow. Yeah. And they'll try and like hold most of their weight just through their pelvis, like yeah. on the board. Yeah. That's all quite often a good sign of a really good bodyboarder is mm. like how, but you can't, that's a really hard thing to get. You have to do a, a crap load of core strength training um, totally, to get to man. that level or you're surfing a lot. Yeah. 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 And so that's that's one of the hardest things. So that's if I was going to give any advice to anyone on how to get better is yeah. to do that. Um, and the reason why is because um, you want to try and keep the weight off your elbow as much as you can when you're riding a bodyboard. Sure. Because sure. The, the more weight you got on your elbow and the more weight you got on your hip or your pelvis, yeah. the longer amount of surface area or your rail is engaging in the face of the wave. Mm. So you're going to go a lot slower. True. And so It'd you really dragging. want to make sure that nearly all your weight's kind of on your pelvis. So mm. it's like most of the bulk of your weight's further back in the board and you're not digging as much water. And so it's really important for a lot of reasons mm. um, to be strong in your core for, for a bodyboarder. Strong in the core. There you go take that one on folks well That's you were mentioning that like if you prepared for a competition i mean is competition dead to you now no no i love competing okay. um i still I'll always love it um it's really what, enjoyable what are you gonna do it next uh i would have done pipe if it wasn't four man 20 minute heats i uh, oh. just like for me where i'm at like i'm not gonna um go spend invest all that time and money into going in an event where there's a lot of luck involved yeah. um, you know like a I, last time I did a four, a four man 20 minute heat I said to myself I'm never going to do that again okay 
and I, I haven't. Okay. I think it was Shark Island a couple of years back, actually. Yeah, right. And, um, and I was a six-man, 30-minute heat. And yeah, that's it's pretty, pretty similar. Shark Island's pretty hardcore like that too. Like that's hard. It's to just do impossible that. because yeah. you you're wave starved and yeah. you you're kind of fighting with the other competitors to just to get the waves in order yeah. to make the heat. Yeah. It's not really the kind of conditions that I want to compete in. Nah. Like whereas um, you know competing in um, Arica, yeah, where it's a 30 minute man on man heat. Yeah. That sick. to me is like really exciting because it's your. It, it, it's your skill against someone else's skill. Yeah. And it's up to you to be able to like beat them. It's not because you're getting wave starved or it's not because they're four waves. Arika's a special case as well, right? Because it's so consistent. Like you, yeah. in a 30 minute heat when it's yeah. on, I mean, everybody's, each guy's or girl's going to have a chance to get what they totally. need. Totally. Yeah, and yeah. if they mess it up, that's, they lose. That's because, yeah, their skill wasn't there. That's it. That's what it comes down to. And um, the best heat I've ever had was actually with Dallas Singer at oh, Arika. Classic yeah, yeah, heat. and that was a good example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was having like an all-time heat. Yeah. And I was having an all-time heat, and you know, like it was just wave for wave, like a full-blown battle. Yeah, was and heavy. and it was like wave for wave, like he'd beat me next wave, I'd beat him next wave, and it was just like that the whole way through. And that's to me, like that's when competition is at its finest and when it's it's most exciting. Yeah. You know, because you never can be sure what the competitor is going to pull out of the bag in order to beat the other guy. Yeah, it's intense, and I, I definitely agree that they're the heats you want to win, or at least even lose in as well. I don't mind just losing in those heats, yeah. yeah. At least if you had a go, you feel pretty good at the end of it. Yeah. If you, you, I always find that if you're uh, happy with how you've surfed and you've given it your all, yeah. you should, like, you always walk away pretty happy. I always yeah. do. Like, I'm, I'm probably bummed for about five minutes that yeah, I didn't sure. win that heat, but more thinking about, you know, a wasted opportunity. Sure. Um, but I'm still really proud of myself and yeah. happy with, you know, what I did. Um, with that whole uh, competition thing as well then, so you're not out of competition, you're just picking and choosing if you're going to turn, like, you know, if there's rare moments where you'll, because you were at Kayama last year for the competition, the, the Bodyboard King mm -hmm. Pro, and, and, you know, obviously you were hoping to serve some better waves in that competition than, the, yeah. than what we got. So it's not completely out for you, but one thing that has changed maybe since then is, is your kind of hands-on board approach with the APB. Um, you're no longer on the board with the APB. Um, where does it all fit for you in your um, kind of where do you see it going and what's the what's your take on the on the current status and like my 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 biggest flaw <laughs> my biggest personality flaw is the fact that um, I pro probably am sometimes like a kind of aim for the stars kind of guy and if yeah. I get out of, into space like I'm happy yeah um, and I'm always kind of like striving to, to kind of um, do as good as I can do. Like I kind of get pretty frustrated at people that um, <clears throat> perhaps aren't doing things the right way, or, or, or could be doing things better. And um, and I get really frustrated because you know I can see ways that things could be better, but then when things don't get better, you know, you just like I just get too frustrated. So I, in that circumstance, I just had to walk away because I was just getting a bit too frustrated with. Um, with kind of putting time in um, and, and trying to make things better. And um, I kind of felt like, you know, at the end of the day, uh, my, my, my kind of input or opinion was just kind of getting diluted amongst a whole bunch of um, conversations that were happening at the same time. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some kind of um, truth in, the, in that statement, like there's too many, too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's better off that there's just like someone heading something up and 
if they succeed, then they continue with that relationship. If they fail, then you get someone else in. Yeah. That's sometimes the best way to run a business. And, um, and sometimes, you know, personalities like mine operate best in that kind of circumstance. Yeah. And so that was the reason why. It was actually my fault. And the, the reason why I had to pull away from that is because I was getting too invested into it and, and getting too frustrated that the outcomes weren't happening that I could see needed to happen in order for yeah. it to be positive for the sport and for the for the APB. So what are some of these outcomes that you think need to be seen from the APB in order for it to, I guess, uh, improve or remain relevant in the sport as well? Because there is a risk of, if, if it doesn't yeah. really deliver, does it remain relevant for what we what the sport needs? Well, for, first and foremost, um, bodyboarders are still there. The market's still there. Yeah. Um, there's still, still people doing it and they're always going to do it because they're idiots like me that just love it and still will always do it. Yeah. Um, total diehard passion of people, which is a great thing. Yeah. Um, now, our sport is so lucky that we still have those people and they still love it. Yeah. And, and we are so lucky that that's still there. But what, the, what I feel like the APB failed to recognise is the fact that um, people are digesting media in a different way these days. Yeah. You know, like <clears throat> they need ease of access. They need things to be able to be pushed in front of them. Um, people aren't going to go searching to be able to get the outcome that they're after. Yeah. That's, that's long gone. You know, you've got a Facebook yeah. app, you've got an Instagram app. Pretty much that's your media source. It is, yeah. If you're not getting news through Facebook, the news didn't really happen. Yeah. And so my big push that I really wanted to, to achieve with the, with the APB was that I really wanted to implement like a real social media strategy where we move a little bit away from live webcast feeds and focus more on um, getting social media um, content for the athletes to actually push out through their social media channels. And I, I, I could see like we were investing a huge amount of money into a live webcast and yeah, we're getting some pretty good viewership, but if we invested that same amount of money into this strategy and developing media content or media packages for all the riders, you know, we, we were able to get uh, like viewership of a single event in, in, in the tens of millions. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And you know, when you start doing that, that starts to become really attractive to any brand. Yeah. You know, like any Because it's completely brand, measurable and it's It's completely measurable. Yeah. And, and hey, how transparent is the fact that, you know, you got Instagram and, and if any, like, let's say uh, LG White Goods. Yeah. They wanted to back the, the yeah. world tour. It's going to cost them 100 grand for the event. They get on Pierre's uh, social media profile. Pierre's got, what, 70,000 followers now? Yeah. And they see Pierre's done a post. Okay, I can see that um, um, 20,000 people interacted with that. Okay, yeah. he's done three posts. Okay, that's 60,000 people. Oh, he did it on Facebook as well. That's another 300,000 people. You know, and when you start to um, times that or multiply that by every single athlete, it's yeah. a huge. That's a huge number. Huge number. It's funny you say this because um, I actually didn't know this about, I didn't know that idea. We've had other conversations um, over the over the past couple of years regarding what to do with bodyboarding and what we think should happen and whatnot, but I actually haven't heard that one. Maybe you've explained it, but maybe yeah. that's the first time I've heard it so yeah. clearly. That conversation happened before you joined oh, the Oh, okay, okay. And, right, um, I was that's, wondering where that you one You probably was. saw the leftover tail end of uh -huh, that and that okay. was why we, I tried to get a budget together for Todd uh -huh. to follow the tour. Because okay, okay. Todd, what Todd was going to do, Todd Barnes, yeah. uh, you guys Legend. all know Todd Great Barnes. Guy. Great filmmaker. To me, for me, I think he's the best filmmaker in the world. There you go. Yeah? Go on your Barnes. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. He did some, he's a good designer as well. He yeah, did, he's good. He did good this designer. for me, this yeah, little boogie work for yeah. me. Yeah, he's a good guy. So, yeah, so 
my whole thing was to get Todd to actually attend like all the events and yeah. to be cutting up these uh, media packages for the athletes. But to send also out. ditching the live stream. You're saving money on the live no, stream. No, no, I was happy to double up. Oh, you're going to double up in this promoters okay, okay. for the first couple of years for okay. the local promoters to, to do the live stream. Uh huh. But so then the live the focus stream was of the APB was yeah. to focus on this. Uh huh. And 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 to to get that content out there. Uh huh. Um and yeah, so so you know I. I had a chat with Todd and, 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 and it seemed like it was all sorted and we got the funding from the government for the export grant and, and all that stuff yeah. and, and that was all meant to go into Todd and, and then nothing happened and I just got really fucking frustrated and uh, sure. now okay. I, that's why I quit. <laughs> so there you go. Okay, but like that's, um, so the idea itself, so you weren't, because I actually, I've been really critical of the live stream myself over the last since my involvement with the tour. Well, it also fails a lot. Like yeah, yeah, it yeah. seems to try. Like the first comp at Eureka that I was at, it dropped out like many times for different reasons, and and I just feel like it can be this double-edged sword that yeah. you know when it's good, it's pretty good, but when it's bad, it's the most horrible experience for a viewer totally. on the internet because yeah. they're sitting there wondering what's going on, and yeah, like it's kind of like this real vulnerability unless you've got a bulletproof. Yeah, yeah, unless you own the satellite, that's exactly. Up. Yeah, unless yeah. you've got that bulletproof setup, yeah, yeah. and you've got like, um, like a real show with lots of highlights and lots of stimulating content that's exactly. fed into yeah. it. Otherwise, that's budget. That's you know, that budget comes down to budget. Yeah, you yeah, need, yeah. you need guys like, uh, you know, you need you need a producer that's yeah, like organising yeah. all that backstory and and getting all the, that, those overlays ready and everything like that. Did the that. IBA kind of have that? Because that was when I was out of the Definitely. game a bit. The yeah. IBA pretty much had it, right? With yeah. the budget it had. Yeah, yeah, the IBA had that. And um, so any kind of like void in, in you know, waves, action, um, action yeah. you, you, you know, you're able to cut back to that and do all that kind of stuff. But what I thought, you know, this is where my kind of theory of doing that social media strategy was a winner because you didn't actually need any of that. Mm. And the best part about that was that then we could afford to do really light events. Yeah. yeah? And we wouldn't need the infrastructure. We wouldn't need um, to have it at a venue where there's, um, you know, a, a, a broadband cable that goes to the, to the yeah, satellite. Yeah, yeah. And we wouldn't need all these other things. And we could afford then to look at the ABB as a kind of media vehicle. Yeah. And then and then what we start to do from that point onwards, we, we start to get, okay, the top 10 riders in the world, we're gonna visit this location because there's a fucking huge swell hitting. Let's get five of the best filmmakers. We're gonna capture this. Okay. And then we're gonna push that out into the public and it's gonna get huge numbers, yeah. you know? And then the IBA goes from being like this arcade kind of business model of relying on sponsorship to be able to fund an event, which then gets media and pushes it out through a live stream. And it just changes the whole thing. Yeah. It means that, you know, we can be totally, totally um, agile and light and we can move with swells and it becomes more of a media kind of house. And that was where I saw the real direction of the, the APB kind of going. How does it work with crowning world champions and stuff though in that scenario? Yeah. In the most opinion? perfect thing about that yeah. is then you can actually get um, viewer feedback on it all yeah. and get them to vote on things. Like world champions. Like world champions. Okay. You know, increasing the level of interaction that you're getting with, with your viewers, which is then increasing uh, the whole thing. It's, it's perpetual. So cycle. let me play it back to you then. Like, so you're saying that, like, let's take the scenario of an event like, um, like Arika. Yeah. We can take that as an example. And we say, okay, so the comp's happening and there's going to be 
videographers there filming everything. Yeah. Um, are, are there judges involved anymore on the ground? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my 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 theory. What, yeah. What I really wanted to try and do is to create two tiers of the world tour. One was the world tour, yeah. which used the traditional kind of infrastructure, have the events, but then having um, this social media strategy in place. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that was the plan for that. But then what I really wanted to try and do was a level above that, uh-huh. where you got the most elite guys and to, to basically go all around the world and... Um, and, like strike uh, missions. Strike missions. Yeah, okay. Fucking, you know, let's say there's a swell hitting the box. You get the rights to be able to run an event out there. It's a media event. Yeah. It's not so much a traditional event. It's a media yeah. event. You know, you, you have your, like a you have uh, the audience be able to vote. You have the writers be able to vote. Yeah. And you, you could. There's no reason why you couldn't get the judges to be able to vote. So you got three different criteria there, and three different awards which can happen. And so you, the benefit of doing that is you're helping the writers supplement yeah, their yeah, income sure. because you're giving them another. Um, you know, additional tour which they can make more money from. Yeah. Um, you also, so they could do both tours to kind of, yeah. you know, work well with each other. Are uh, you also giving their sponsors an opportunity to be able to, you know, brand themselves more and market themselves more into yeah. the audience? It's kind of win-win-win. I felt. Um, Is it kind of? Do you think there was any inspiration from the backdoor shootout? Because I was in Hawaii just recently and the backdoor shootout was on. Hmm. And I mean, that's kind of a cla- That's a really innovative event in many ways because. I don't know if the history, my history is correct on this, but was it not a way for there to be a competition at Pipe where people could didn't have to wear a jersey and their spot they could get really good photos that's right, yeah. for their sponsors? Yeah, yeah. That was it, right? Did you think that's how Mike should have run his comp? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think that... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I think that it's a good idea. I, I get why it's a good idea because... Yeah. You know, you get content made at a place like a Rika or Pipe. Everyone's wearing a colourful jersey. Yeah. No sponsors really want to use that image in a yeah, exactly. in an ad or, yeah. or in anything else. So, it's, so, but your idea is very similar in mm-hmm. many ways. Like it, it kind of seems to give the opportunity to, because you know, like if you're voting on a ten-person uh, session at the box, you yeah. know that that's been player and you know that yeah, that's yeah, yeah, Josh exactly. and you Mitch don't need to wear whatever. Yeah. Okay, so, so that media drive, and and I mean, do you still believe um, that? this idea that you had and maybe still have is it a, is it a winning idea do you think it could really be a way to bring in uh new sponsorships from outside of the industry because you're basically banking on the pure media reach mm. and just the numbers like just the numbers lg goods yeah this is a million views yeah because it was a comp that was done in this way yeah we got we got this percentage of males this percentage of females yeah. viewing this and and this is the demographic and, and here it is for this sale. is your demographic it's a perfect fit let's go boom <sighs> and, you know like uh, brands and, and and people that are in the marketing industry don't look at things like that's bodyboarding we're not going to do it that's surfing yeah we're going to do it it just becomes about just dollars and cents do you think it is that though totally okay so you don't think when it comes to a marketing person that doesn't know anything about surfing or bodyboarding do you think they just look at the numbers and go, that's good? If they don't, that person should be sacked. <laughs> yeah. Because if, if I was employing someone to market my, my company and yeah. my brands, I'd be thinking that they're looking at things in a way to be able to sell goods. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. And so totally. to, to be able to do that, basically all you got to do is get it out there into the right audience yeah. and then get those guys to come back and then yeah. make a sale. With the surf industry, at, it doesn't work though, does it? Even though the number, like even if your idea, for example, 
if, if this was implemented and the viewing was as you predict, and I agree with you, by the way, I do think it would actually work and it would get those big numbers you're talking about. Would the surf, would there be any hope, do you see any hope at all in the mainstream surf industry that they would look at those numbers and go, you know what? Oh, I don't care about this mainstream surfing industry. No, they won't get their support. Never. Who cares? Yeah, it's just interesting. So you think it's completely just... Yeah, we bypass them completely by doing this. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of it. Because, no, we we never will. Because you know why? Because the people that work in those marketing jobs are surfers. Yeah. And so we're always going to be secondary and a, a secondary investment to, to yeah. that. And that's understandable. Yeah. You know, I own a bodyboard brand. I'm not going to go sponsor, I don't own a bodyboard brand. I distribute a bodyboard brand. But I'm not going to go sponsor a stand-up surfer with NMD bodyboards, am I? Yeah. It's totally cool. I'm, I'm totally happy with that. And that's, that's it, it's a good decision that they're making. Um, but, you know, there's no reason why we can't go above that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the real money is. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we've cracked the hour mark, and I reckon that's a pretty good number for um, podcasting. Um, not that this is boring. I, I think this is absolutely fascinating. What I want to finish on, though, and I am going to go back to the questions because there are some kind of funny ones in here. So I just want to go, I don't know how like real these ones are, but um, question from Simon Brunke. Oh, yeah. Hey, Simon. Hey, Simon. Was, was Ben happy with the amount of sales of Three Amigos through the movement website? And what are his thoughts on the way that bodyboarding media is distributed and consumed these days? I think we've already answered the second part. Good question, yeah, mate. Yeah, what do you think about the, the streaming? Because this is about this initiative um, to put videos onto the movement mag yep. platform. Yeah, yeah. How did the Three Amigos, are you happy with how it went? Yeah, Three Amigos went really well. I was really stoked to see how well everyone supported it. and. Um, really got behind it. Um, sales were good, and uh, the guys who produced the movie, Tom, um, yeah, he was stoked on the outcome as well. Okay. I guess my main driver for doing that with movement was the fact that what we're doing is we're seeing a whole bunch of good filmmakers yeah. um, kind of fall, by, fall, fall out of bodyboarding. And the yeah. reason why is because bodyboarding doesn't have the amount of marketing budget to be able to sustain those guys. Yeah. And so we can't afford to lose those guys because. Yeah. These guys are so important. The bodyboard filmmakers are so important because what they do is they capture good bodyboarding, yep. which then gets uh, gets distributed out there and then gets pushed back in front of bodyboarders, which then further stimulates bodyboarders, yeah. which then further stimulates those guys and they get more like financial return and then they, yeah. it's a beautiful cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this has been broken for quite some time. Uh, I feel it's been broken for quite some time. Ever since uh, the internet and piracy kind of came along, it's kind of been ruined. Yeah. So really what I really wanted to try and do by doing um, Movement Mag, like doing a streaming through Movement Mag, was to try and give uh, bodyboard filmmakers an opportunity to start making money again. Cool. So they reinvest back into media again, and it gives them an opportunity to make more money, and the whole thing just kind of grows. Okay. I've, I've kind of got this new outlook on business where I'm just trying to set up like kind of perpetual systems. Yep. And to do that, you don't actually need that much money. You just need a certain amount in order for it to kick off and yeah. just tick over. And a platform model is essentially that, right? Because like, on one side, you've got the creators. On the other side, you've got you know, the, the people buy, paying yeah. for it. And in the middle, you've got the platform. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And okay. so that, that was the kind of initiative by doing that. And yeah, I was really stoked to see the way that um, you know, the sales went for Three Amigos. And I hope other filmmakers will come into it as a result. Excellent. Question from Bish and Chips underscore. How big actually is your mum's cooking room? Fuck, it's huge, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like four stories high. <laughs> I don't even know where that question came that's a good from. Question. But that's Thanks, man. Okay, there you go. No, it's pretty tiny, actually. Uh, the pit, the barrel I got a pipe was definitely much bigger than that one. Okay, yeah, that's that. where it's from. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, Raffinacio asks beer or wine? Um, beer, I'd say, beer. yeah. I'm, I thought you were going to go with wine. No, no, I'm a, I'm a refined gentleman and I'm 40 oh. years old, but no, I still like a beer. Okay. I like the way it kind of tickles my throat. Okay. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, the a good friend of mine from Newcastle. Why are the vast majority of tour events held at rubbish venues and not at waves of consequence, consequence that boogs are made of? Made oh for. man, this is I a think big that, subject. Yeah, that's a big one, but I don't know if I agree completely with that. Like we've had a pretty. Rick is sick. Rick is pretty good. Yeah. Fronton's good when it happens for the yeah, tour. Yeah, part of the tour. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't think Sir Cashalot would have had this opinion if we had a score at the South Coast event last year. I would agree. Um, the fact is that we're just really unfortunate to get the conditions that we got. Um, and yeah. hopefully this year, you know, we get the right conditions and yeah. we get an event at, you know, um, Bally Point or something exactly, like that yeah. where it's like far and guys doing 20-foot airs. I still thought it was fun to the Kaima Combo as much as it really sucked to come all the way to Australia to end up groveling. No, nah, but it was, I feel like there was a certain charm about it that the world's best were groveling. Yeah, I, yeah, it was yeah. kind of like interesting, and I had a lot of fun. You know what? You just you just liked it because you were groveling better than everyone <laughs> else. I got, I got knocked out. You were spinning like no a top man. Fucked. You were um, doing well. Asier Zakili asks, "How the fuck does he make those air forwards?" Oh man, it's been a long time since he's done one of those. <laughs> 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 no, honestly. Um, Air forwards are a complicated move, maybe the hardest one, um, because what you're having to do is you're having to draw a really strong line um, yeah. in the lead up to it, mm. and uh, go hit the section as vertically as what you can, and just before you hit the lip, you're putting your board into a slide yeah. to start the rotation. There's a lot of things going on there, um, but wave selection is the most crucial thing with this, because what you need basically is a good double up. Um, so you're coming in over the top of a wave, so you're getting like twice the amount of speed, downward mm. speed, so you can go out into the flats wider mm. to be a more vo- vertical bottom turn back into the section. Yeah. As long as you got that, mm. you're pretty much able to do an air forward off any section. And okay. the reason why is because then you, by the time you get back up to the section to do your air 360, you've still got speed and you're already halfway through your rotation because you're vertical bottom turn. True that, true that. There you go. Test it out, take some video of it, send it through. Love to see it. Matthew, Matthew Mollison asks, was the pipe comp of 2013 a career highlight? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I always, always wanted to win pipe. Um, it was a career highlight to win that comp, and I think maybe I won it the year after that as well. Okay. Um, yeah, it's like I always wanted to do it, and um, yeah, I was so stoked to win it. Yeah. It was huge, huge. But that wasn't your first one. Yeah, I think it was. No, nah, yeah. I was... Oh, no. Yeah. Because, that was. Because they named me as winning the other one, but they had their scores wrong. <laughs> Do you want to explain? <laughs> no, no, we, we, don't have to, we don't have to read yeah, yeah, those so, moments. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. And yeah. the fact I was really stoked Sick. on our surf too. Was, was that a world title year for you as well? Um, no. It wasn't? That was because... No. No, that wasn't world title year. Okay. It was one pipe. All right. That's good. I didn't see that one. I was out of the game then. Um, ben Clegg, 182. Cleggy. Cleggy. I know, Cleggy. Asking about the best way to go fast on a bodyboard. He said something about being about having his board pointed a bit towards the beach for G-Land and Namibia waves. Oh, that's good one, Cleggy. Uh, good question. It's pretty technical, though. It is. Uh, yeah, it's something I've been What's thinking theory, about a lot yeah. lately. Is, um, is, and it comes back to this whole thing about um, engaging too much of your rail and not enough of your rail. Too yeah. much of your rail and you'll, um, you'll feel your nose starting to pull in and uh, more of a, a bigger... Um, surface area rails engaging the wave face so you're essentially carving more water and losing more speed Mm. Um, so I try and work on like about a 15 degree angle like thinking 
Um, you know, Shit my, you sound like Mike Stewart right now. I've got to say, like, I don't my, know if I've heard anyone else go into this detail. No, before. no, it's, it's really it's, good. It's interesting. I'm loving it. So it's, think about your forearm placement from your um, your front hand to your elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's like zero degrees, like yeah. where that's heading, mm-hmm. just try and pull it to the side and make sure that's 15 degrees to the direction that you actually want to go. Um, it's something actually, this is a really interesting thing is I've always had that wrong on my right. Uh-huh. I've always been going about like zero to five degrees and I've yeah. been pulling too much rail. And I've always wondered why I can never get that much air on right and uh-huh. why my... Um, my bottom turns into sections weren't right and everything was a little bit out and I've, and I've worked out that it's actually because um, I was pulling too much I was pulling it too 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 far in and just seem to let it go a little bit just 15 degrees yeah and just let your rail go and you'll notice you get so much more down the line speed and uh, you'll be able to get to the sections more vertically you're stronger on lefts than rights aren't you I grew up at Whale Beach which yeah. is the next beach over I'm stronger on lefts and right, than rights too it's weird it kind of bugs me but it's good to know that you struggle as well <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we, there is a question here from DWT Smith. What is the future of bodyboarding Australia? But I feel like we kind of covered a bit of that already in the discussion in terms of what's happening and what, what needs to change and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Lloyd 28 Mitchell, though, and this is the final one. It's the, I think it's a great one to finish off the podcast on, um, is to ask you where your favourite place in the world is to surf and can you remember a session in your whole career that you would say was your favorite session so i imagine they're in the mm. same place yeah for sure so uh, it's where, a good question um the single best session that i've ever had in my life was at bali in about 2003. Um, okay it was just after uh it was around about the same time as all the bali bombings was happening uh-huh and um around the same time there was like a whole bunch of political instability and Bali was pretty uncrowded and I just went there year upon year actually yeah. like I was going there a whole heap around that time because Mez was living yeah, over there yeah I was going to say was that part of that um, so I'd spent a lot of time with him and also because um, I was really big on progression with surfing so I basically just dedicated everything to it and just went over there like kind of two months at a time and wow. we'd spend like half the year over there sick um, and just like surf every single day and surf my ass off but yeah. around that time um, I was uh, I was spending some time up at the Bukit Peninsula. So I'd hire a scooter in the morning and um, go for a surf at Chungu. And then after Chungu, I'd go drive up to Uluwatu and have a surf there. And I had a surf at Uluwatu and it was pretty huge, like about like 15 foot and I was surfing. Sure. Um, I don't know what that back reef is, like they call it. Out the back. Yeah, the bomby, I think, or something. Yeah. And I paddled out there and it was really big and I was out there by myself. I was pretty scared, actually. Sick. And uh, I got some really, really big barrels. and. Thought I was a bit of a hellman, but after that, I decided that I was going to go for a sleep in one of the warungs because yeah. there was no one around. Yeah, I slept on a little straw mat, and it was beautiful. It was like so chilled, and um, and woke up from that uh, around midday, and I was like, oh, you know, the tide's getting low. Maybe I should go check Padang. And so I jumped on my scooter and just kind of headed down there and um, checked Padang, and I was like, got arrived and, and noticed that there was not a single person out, and I was fucking pumping. Right. And so I raced back, got my board and stuff like that, and another surfer was like, oh, where are you going? I was like. No, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> I just lied to him. And uh, yeah, I went down there and surfed the whole afternoon uh, from about 2 o'clock to about 7, 7 o'clock that night by myself. Padang. Padang, Padang. Uh, about 46 foot. That's remarkable. And, um, and it, it was just, you know what? That was just so incredible for my progression. I was able to like, I was doing the most subtle little changes to things and, you know, putting my board into a slide yeah. and, and just letting it slide through the first pit and then yeah. let, like gaining traction again and going down the line and, and doing a reverse air out of the barrel and 
I remember on one wave, I, I took off, got a barrel, did an Air 360, landed, got another barrel, and did an Air Reverse out. And I was like, oh Look God, I, I think I just got a 10 point right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that, that was my single best ever session that I've ever had. Well, that's a beautiful, beautiful way to finish this podcast. And I feel like the, uh, the questioner is, is probably pretty satisfied with the answer. Yeah. Um, not a camera in sight, by the way, it seems. Not a camera in session. sight, no, no. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I will now finish this up by giving you a big thanks for uh, sitting down. Thanks, Josh, for having me. Time. And uh, I'm just going to add to that and say sorry, uh, sorry if I uh, have offended anyone by um, uh, giving my opinion. I quite often offend people, but I feel like there's no better way than to be honest. And um, sometimes my honesty upsets people, but that's just the way I am. And cool. I apologise afterwards if I have offended you by, by saying what I said. He looks sincere when he says it, just for the view, for the listener. I'm watching him as he says this, and he is being sincere. So I don't think you, I don't think anything you've said is offensive. But I'm pretty good with the offence. Like I don't see it so often. Maybe I insult people often as well. Sorry, sorry everyone for doing that. <laughs> but um, thanks for thanks for joining for the podcast. I really appreciate it. I know that everyone listening appreciates it. Um, huge thanks to everyone who sent in questions for Ben. I hope I managed to get the. Um, well, I, I think I got the job done on that one. So any other listeners for future podcasts, please send in your questions. Um, I do pass them on to the, to the people themselves. So that's all for now. Uh, Thanks, guys. Yeah, Thanks, Josh. and tune in for the next one. So how about that for a podcast episode, huh? Thank you so much to Ben Player for taking the time to sit down and chat about all things bodyboarding and life. It was a real pleasure and um, I think all of you out there are pretty happy to hear from him and and to hear what he's up to and how he's going with everything. Uh, A reminder to everyone that the code is still live. If you want to use that code on the Movement Wag website and order something and get a 10% discount, please do. Um, The code once more is MOVEMENTX10 and I think that um, it's a... It's a good thing to, you know, support the companies that want to support the sport and support podcasts like this. So please do use the code. Um, it's in the show notes um, if you want to just um, get a little reminder for it. Uh, yeah, thanks again to everyone for all the support. Really appreciate it. Uh, the podcast is growing really well. Um, Australia is really supporting the podcast so far. Um, the US is kind of in a bit of a distant second place, but I'm hoping to um increase the content from the US and also from Latin America uh, as well so that the Latin American audience um, can start to tune in and, and enjoy the podcast as well. So thank you all for the support. Really appreciate it and stay tuned for more episodes. Bye. Boogie.